Hello and welcome to another session of Music Matters with Ev. And I am so, so pleased to have in the studio this time, someone who I call the David Copperfield of guitar playing, the legend that is Kit Morgan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Everton. I don't think anyone's ever called me that before. <laughs> oh yes, the sounds that come no. out of that instrument under your control is nothing short of magic, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very kind, on a good day. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing some sunshine for a, yeah. For a change. It's, uh, yeah, the winters are long for me. But, but, okay, uh, yeah. So, um, all right, so let's just head straight into it. Kit, when did it all begin for you, this musical journey? Bit of a surprise, to be honest. Uh, since before I could say the word, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Okay. That was all uh, from from before I could walk virtually. All I wanted to do was draw and be a cartoonist. And I guess, you know, had that carried on, I probably would have studied, you know, animation. That was it. That was my my vocation. And when I was, I think, 11, 10 or 11, Top of the Pops was on the TV in the house, didn't pay much attention. Jimi Hendrix came on <laughs> and honestly my my world changed like jaw <laughs> dropped on the floor I'd never seen or heard anything like it I think he was doing purple haze you know and just being Jimmy and the god that he was a rock god and it was just like that's what I wanted to I don't know why I mean but um but yeah right there and then it's like you know um so that was the beginning that was what turned it for me I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, I really want to play the guitar. Mm. I need a guitar. I'm going to learn the guitar. And he turned around and said, I'm not wasting any more of my money on one of your five-minute wonders. And the guy, he made me save up for it for like six months out of a you know, tiny little pocket money. And I really hated him for that. But I think <laughs> you know, part of that was five-minute wonder. I'll show mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I should thank him for making me wait. <laughs> oh, I was just yeah. determined to prove him wrong. That's where it started off was Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Yeah. So so where did the journey take you? Because I know talking to you in the past, it's just been incredible, the sort of things that you've been involved in. It's been many and varied, you know. I mean, it, being a musician, certainly especially based in England, you know, it's not it's not the easiest country mm. in the world to make a living at. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I was I've been incredibly you know blessed and and just a few of the things you know just right place right time. Mm -hmm. I you know I've I don't get me wrong I, I didn't ever get a gig with Michael Jackson or <laughs> you know or White Snake like a friend of mine used to. <laughs> um, but a lot of the gigs I've done have you know have been like fairly top-notch sort of uh, professionals. So I guess it started off with a lot of luck. I started off wanting to be Jimi Hendrix. You know, <laughs> that was and that's all I listened to for a couple of years. At some point, I used to go to a second-hand shop in Bedford where I lived, um, and I bought myself an electric guitar for £17 somewhere. Nothing to plug it into. 
Mm. And I'd go in there and this guy had got a few second-hand guitars and amps and I'd go in every Saturday and hassling and hassling. One day it turns out he, he's a DJ and he said, you're really good for your age. I'm going to build a band around you. Mm. So, and, and really that I've, uh, a guy called Ding Davis, a local DJ, for whatever reason, you know, I must have been practicing a lot and he saw that I'd got something for a kid. Mm -hmm. He built this band around me. They're all, all older guys that were already doing the clubs, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 13, I was out doing working men's clubs, bar mm. mitzvahs. Mm. And it was terrifying. I'd never heard of Chuck Berry. Mm -hmm. You know, I was 13, Jimi mm -hmm. Hendrix and Deep Purple, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn a whole lot of stuff really quickly. Mm. And that threw me into the grown-up world. of actually, And I suddenly realised, hang on, my friends are working like nine hours on a Saturday in the freezing cold for two pounds. And I'm getting like 50 quid on a Saturday, uh, you know, 15 pounds. The learners, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So well, that was a lucky start. Um, I learned a lot real quick. Um, yeah. And then I left school mm -hmm. and um, bummed around for about six months. And friend of mine had just got a job with an old pop a 60s pop star mm -hmm. and keyboard player had left and he said to the the guy what well, we need another guitar really like the original 60s band and he went mm -hmm. yeah all right do you know anyone and i got the call billy j kramer the guy's name was mm -hmm. who, uh, probably some of your parents and grandparents would remember him <laughs> yeah, yeah he was the mersey beat guy like just before the the beatles mm -hmm. went to the states he went to the states you know isn't mm -hmm. that crew mm -hmm. so yeah i was working with a with a 60s pop star by the time i was 17 oh, that's great you know yeah um and you learn i mean obviously i wasn't that mad about the music but you learn about being professional what professional means mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like being excellent mm. excellent so that's okay. That this is this is eye-opening. I can ramble and, for hours. No, no, no. This is so so much what we want to find out. So I want to ask about the styles because I know that you're so versatile and adept on on the instrument. Mm. Where did that come from? How did you branch out into? Because I mean, Jimi Hendrix was that pop, blues, rock. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, well, as like I said, when I started, you know, Hendrix was just such a huge influence. I, you know, in my young way, I kind of did see him as God because nobody was doing <laughs> anything like it. Um, and I was trying to, you know, trying to figure that out in, in those days. Of course, you didn't have magazines where you could mm. look at, oh, how did they play that? You know, mm. it was uh, slowing it down on a record. Mm. So I struggled with that, which trained my ears really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, you know, then I was playing with these bands, earning money, and I had to learn how to play tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. <laughs> oh, now, that, I know that's a, you know, it strikes <laughs> horror into most musicians' heart. There are an awful lot of chords in that tune, <laughs> and um, you know, by the time I was fifteen, I could play that tune in any key. <laughs> uh, but um, and I. So I learned a lot from from playing covers, having to do covers and old time mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. The versatility, I guess. After Hendrix, I I saw John McLaughlin on the TV, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like that's what I want to do. Okay. Spent a year hopelessly failing, realised <laughs> that 
him, Alda Miola, and some of my you know, heroes had done jazz. Okay. And then, yeah, I went and got a Joe Pass album and worked that out note oh, for note. Uh, you know. And then, I, I, and so I was getting into the jazz mm. just to understand the jazz rock I was really influenced by. Mm -hmm. um, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, jazz rock, there was Aldo Miola, John McLaughlin. And it was, you know, for me, it was like, oh, my God, how fast is that? So mm. I spent years trying to be that fast. Mm. And I must admit, I've spent about the last 20 years trying to slow down. You know. <laughs> oh, but, so that was that was all that stuff. I moved away from Bedford, where I lived at the time, um, went to Blackpool, met a bunch of people, stayed there for three years, did summer seasons. There were supposed to be reading gigs. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't read a note. I was self totally self-taught, never had a yeah, lesson. Yeah. Just learned by ear. Mm -hmm. And I managed to bluff, really. <laughs> because I, I developed my ears well enough. Yeah. I could hear a couple of chords and go, oh, yeah. Mm. Um, but they were really reading gigs. Over the years, I was working with reading musicians. And I said, oh, I'd really like to do this tune with this band. And they'd say, write the parts out and we'll play it. Mm. And after a few years, I I was taught by people that could read how mm -hmm. to write how to write. So although mm -hmm. I, can, I can still write, mm -hmm. I still can't read. <laughs> Bizarre. But anyway, that got me into all, all kinds of stuff. Then I left um, I left Blackpool, uh, went back to Bedford. Mm -hmm. After about three years, all of a sudden, all the gigs I used to do had disappeared. The and I was a I was professional. That was all I did for a living. Mm. The only gigs that paid any money were country and western gigs. Okay. okay. And there were a lot of country and western clubs around East Anglia and that whole area I was living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was horror to me because, you know, in my head, country and western was just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to say, I did, I did hate it at first. And, <laughs> I was, you know, an enforced Stetson and all that. It was a bizarre, scary world. Mm -hmm. But after a while, these pedal steel guys, they were playing some neat little stuff. Mm. And they started mm. giving me cassettes saying, I'll oh, listen to this guy. And mm. all of a sudden, I actually said, astonishing musicians mm. in the country. A lot mm. of them were jazzers who mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't make a living on the on mm. the West Coast and moved to Nashville and, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I learned quite a lot of that stuff and, the, and the, you know, how to kind of emulate a pedal steel and all mm. those. And I have to say... Of all of the styles that I've sort of, you know, I do cod impersonations of, I've probably earned 10 times more money out of country style okay. stuff than okay. anything else I've ever, you know, ever okay. worked on. It, it's not surprising that you say that because I found out recently, to my amazement, how big the country and Western music industry was. It's massive. It's yeah. so, so huge because obviously it's not part of our forte over here in the UK, but it is such a huge market. And so, varied. Too. And varied, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you know, years ago when I was just into Jimi Hendrix and Deep Purple, you know, I thought jazz was maybe Charlie Parker. Mm -hmm. You know, it, that was just some... <laughs> I, didn't rock to me so, so that and that oh that's jazz so i'm not interested in that and then all of a sudden you know Aldo Miola comes along so I, no, i'm interested in that but you know but
but yeah so in jazz you know obviously there's you can't say i hate jazz. well people do say i hate yes jazz, yes they do but you've never heard it all have you, you mm -hmm. know, earl klug mm. is jazz as mm. much as you know all well all of the out there people that's yeah. like a pet yeah. shop in a you know fire in a yeah. pet shop <laughs> yes, exactly. but there's such a variation and same same with with most styles and with country mm. in england you you had to do a lot of the jim reeves kind of mm -hmm. really quite sickening stuff and i <laughs> after a while I, we, we were playing a lot of american air force bases over here mm -hmm. and I, they didn't want to hear that the yanks <laughs> you start playing oh the crystal channel years <laughs> which was the most popular song in, it, in the english country clubs. they would throw things at you for playing it over there. So, you know <laughs> a big learning experience <laughs> okay so i want to ask about your your steadfastness on to your art because i'm going to tell people that the reason why i hold you in such high regard is because the first time i heard you play bohemian rhapsody on the guitar i just I just went home and I thought to myself, do I seriously want, do I seriously want to continue trying to play the guitar after hearing oh. that? <laughs> because that is just, it's just incredible. So talk, talk, talk to us about your, your earnest, your earnest effort, because that, that must take time to work out and, and perfect. Yeah, I think, Again, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. Um, but, you know, a lot of and most artists, I think, that that really go and don't, you know don't do much else for many years, <laughs> have got. There's a certain thing, um, and you know, it's the ability to put blinkers on mm. and go. I am gonna, I am gonna nail that. Mm. I know, I, I know it's hard, and I can't. But, and I just have that thing. So um and and that was the same when i was drawing you know mm -hmm. it was like give me a piece of paper and a pencil that was all that existed in my world you know mm -hmm. and i th i think you know my son you know unfortunately he was diagnosed with um adhd mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite mm -hmm. i mean you know mm -hmm. if my thing was an illness there, there probably is a you know <laughs> uh but it's obsession really mm -hmm. and and when I heard something that I just, I, I, I'm not going to sleep until I know how to play mm -hmm. that. And I, and you know, when I had this in my youth, mm -hmm. I would play for 10 or 12 hours a day mm -hmm. easily, you mm -hmm. know, forget to eat, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but I, I spent many, many years with the guitar in my hand all day long. And then mm -hmm. later on, it, in, in, you know, playing all day long and gigging at night. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was an awful, awful, awful lot of that. Uh, but the, the, yeah, the determination to crack something that you try and you just think this is impossible, <laughs> and then something in you goes, "You'll find a way." Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That is so cool to hear. Thank yeah. you for that. All right. So, in terms of the ups and downs in the career, <clears throat> let's get a little bit more up to these times. Did you find that the music reception was the same as when you started? 
because as you mentioned, it's not easy to make a living being a musician, a professional musician, especially in the UK. But did you find that the not only was the opportunities different, but the actual reception from the people who came to listen at what you were doing? Um, it's a hard, that's quite a bit of a difficult one to say because most of my money earning life, yeah, most of most of my life, I've been a sidekick or, you know, the backing guy. Mm -hmm. I've never been, you know, or very rarely been, it's been, has it been the Kit Morgan show, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so people are paying to see the guy that I'm backing. So okay. that's quite, having said that, uh, just like with, you know, like more local bands, you know, because the, the big gigs where I was off touring and that, it's, you're not touring all all year long you know mm. so i'd mm. have months and months where i'd come home and do pub gigs with my mates mm -hmm. but um yeah i think i have i it's got harder and harder to please mm. the audience i don't want to i don't want to slag audiences off because obviously we need them and i love them mm. dearly mm -hmm. but the change for me was uh, probably 15 or 20 years ago in a lot of Bristol pubs I was playing at. And I was playing blues gigs with blues bands and, you know, all manner of styles and even mm -hmm. in intimate folky kind of things. Mm -hmm. And it, when I was a kid, if you went to see a band and they, you know, they were promoting their new album, most of the time it was impossible for them to recreate that on stage because mm -hmm. they'd overdub it. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, and, but the beauty of seeing them do it live, mm. like, how are they going to do that? How mm. are they going to get away with that? Mm. And so it didn't sound like the record, but you didn't want it to. Nowadays, mm. everyone wants it to sound like the record. Mm. And and more and more people like have an idea in their head of what they want the song to sound like. So even doing like, even if you've got a great singer and a great band behind it, doing a cover version mm. of a famous song, you used to be able to get away with it quite easily and people were appreciative, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. More and more, I find people just go, oh, no, I prefer, you know, <laughs> someone else. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's a bit sad. And, um, yeah, and going out and doing, you know, doing, because I, I, I'm no singer, but oh, um, in, instrumental gigs as well, it's, you know, it's mostly, unless you're in a bebop club, mm -hmm. And you think I'll put my bebop hat on and I won't play anything but bebop stuff, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, then you'd be safe. But mm -hmm. as soon as you start doing stuff that's not bebop, that's mm -hmm. that's really nice and got jazz in, but it's you know, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have audiences all wrong, but I think they've got more and more or less and less open mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to just like. And when I've been to Europe in the last ten years with mm -hmm. various acts of various you know, size venues. Mm -hmm. We'll see the smaller venues in a way uh, it's easier to tell that mm -hmm. the audiences that they, for, for a start they're happy to pay you know 15 euros or whatever mm -hmm. to go and see live music at the mm -hmm. weekend don't mm -hmm. think any they wouldn't think anything of that mm -hmm. um and over here that's a bit more of a problem mm -hmm. and also they'll go and see a band that they've never heard of and they're not even sure what they're going to do mm -hmm. and people have come to me at the end of gigs in europe and gone to be honest, you know, I prefer blah, blah, blah sort of music. But you guys were really good. Mm, mm. Now, over here, it's like if it, you know, it's not the sort of genre that they're in mm -hmm. into, then, oh, sorry, mate, you're crap. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. <laughs> you're crap. 
Why is that? <laughs> well, because you're not doing death metal. That's because yeah. I'm stood here with my daughter, who's a citizen. You know. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, what about the how how far reaching were your travels? Did you do the states at all? Did you do anything in the states? I yeah, I was very fortunate. I mean, all of my life, I was brought up on um, American TV, American films, American everything. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, when I eventually got to go to America, to be honest, I've never been able to afford to go there just like on vacation because mm -hmm. I've just never had the spare money. <laughs> and one day I'd love to, bucket list thing. I've always been there working and I've had luck, you know, often you go there and you don't see anything apart from hotel rooms and buses, you know. Mm -hmm. But I've had a few lucky occasions. I've been out there a lot. First mm -hmm. time I went out with Vanessa May, the violinist, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who fortunately for me wasn't very well known out there. They were trying to break her in America. Mm -hmm. So we got a bunch of gigs in all the main cities mm -hmm. uh, with about four or five days in between. The manager mm -hmm. thought, we'll fill those little ones up, you know. Mm -hmm. They didn't. So I just had a, like a gig every four or five days. And I was on vacation. It was beautiful. Oh, but America, good. yeah, it's so different. Mm -hmm. So different out there. Um, and where else in the world have you had the opportunity? Well, uh, with Vanessa, the, the touring was crazy. You know, with Billy J. Kramer, my first first professional mm -hmm. proper gig, mm -hmm. that was transit van, you know, <laughs> in the back of a transit van, <laughs> up and down the road. And our first three gigs were Bournemouth, somewhere up near Newcastle on the yeah. second one, and the third night was somewhere in North Wales, mm -hmm. you know, and it was thousands of miles of driving, you know, mm -hmm. and just ridiculous. With Vanessa, it was equally ridiculous <laughs> distances, only on a global scale. And, okay. You know, so it, we, it sounded great when I got home and told everybody where I'd been that week, mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, I had a gig in Chile. And then we had a gig <laughs> on the frozen lake in San Moritz. Mm -hmm. And then we went, you know, uh, and it was like that, and so there was mm. no sleep, and you, you know, you didn't know your ass from your elbows, because oh, time, you know, time zones. But it was it was exhausting, but a hell of an experience. You know? mm. So we went we went all over. She was huge in the Far East, mm -hmm. Bangkok, um, mm -hmm. that huge in South America, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, I only got to go to a couple of places there with her because that, mm -hmm. that's somewhere I'd love to spend more time. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I reckon they would have they would have received you exceptionally well there. <laughs> I think yes, yeah, so I, I think you know I know a few words in in Spanish. I think <laughs> I could get get by. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right, let's bring it up to date then. What happened for you in twenty twenty? Ah, well, to be honest, uh, my health was failing anyway. Oh, okay, um, um, I've been struggling with back issues. Uh, mm that when I left Bristol seemed to be getting better and blah, blah, blah. I won't bore you with all of those details, but it it, it ended up being, um, yeah, more of a problem than I, I or the doctors were anticipating. Um, so I can't really, I'm not, you know, healthy enough to go out and do a gig at the moment. I'm, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. my muscles are all wasted and blah, blah, blah. Uh, having said that, I've got plans to make good. a comeback. Good, 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 good to <laughs> hear. To be honest, I, I don't really know 
what I would have done actually, um, you know, because I hadn't got a bunch of gigs and things lined up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I I didn't take stuff because I didn't have, know if I could do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a way, I'm quite relieved. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people that I know obviously were tearing their hair out because they're mm -hmm. just all of their income is just being taken mm. away you know mm. exactly. so i feel for everybody else <laughs> all right so what 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 do you see of the near future it's good to hear that you've got plans what do you see of the near future on on a sort of global setting in terms of music i honestly everton i don't know i'm a little concerned for music as as an industry mm. uh a a, well, people, certainly my age, you know, I'm so old school that even, even the, um, you know, the YouTube, the, just the presence, you know, everyone's got uh, an internet presence. And I kept meaning to get that round mm. to it and I never mm. have. And the industry is running a completely different way now. Mm. You know? mm -hmm. My day, mm -hmm. uh, nobody I knew got a gig because they'd been to university and they'd got all of the qualifications to show mm. to you didn't mm. get in a studio because you got qualifications <laughs> you got in because somebody who they really respected said oh you ought to try this guy out you know <laughs> so that's all changed mm. so i'm not good at that um it i think the industry will find find a way mm -hmm. hopefully not too many of the venues and um you know the studios and places that support the whole the whole process haven't gone under mm. or that you know they can come back mm -hmm. in the next year or so okay and also this is going to be very useful because i know a lot of people who are students of mm. music what advice would you give to the budding guitarists coming up who are thinking of becoming active with that sort of skill what advice would you give them well it all depends. Uh, <laughs> it really depends on what they're hoping to get from being a musician. Mm -hmm. um, some people will learn three or four chords mm -hmm. and have got an immense amount of inner confidence mm -hmm. anywhere, whatever they do. You mm -hmm. know, I've worked with people and I think, how come you're getting bookings and it's because they're just really good at selling themselves you know um for those of you that actually want you know you're gonna have to work really hard to hone your skin skills you know and and if you if you're a singer songwriter i guess then you're you know you're creating your own stuff and promoting your own stuff and if you can do that stick to that don't be put off. My one of my regrets, you know, I mean, I, you shouldn't have regrets. Mm -hmm. I don't have that many. Mm -hmm. Is that I to make a living, mm -hmm. I diversified and I've learned a million and one styles mm -hmm. that I can most of them I can get away with a whole evening. Mm -hmm. And nobody will know that I'm not a country guitar player or I'm not a jazz guitar <laughs> player, you know? I'm really? bluff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I do often think if i'd have just gone you know blues that's what i want to do you know maybe if i hadn't spread myself out and just done that one thing mm -hmm. i would be top of the tree in mm -hmm. that one thing mm -hmm. so if i think if you've got a passion in one direction then that's mm -hmm. 
put everything into that. Mm. Um, Sound. And know you listen to people that are better than you mm. all the time. And don't go, ah, oh, I think I'm going to give up because they're so good, like I often do. <laughs> you know, just go, man, you know, just aspire to that. And if you even assimilate a little bit of it, mm -hmm. it will come out in in what you're creating, you know. Mm -hmm. I've nicked stuff off people all the time, my life, mm -hmm. in my musically, you know. Mm -hmm. And although I'm I'm not when I'm playing, I'm not thinking, oh, I'll do that George Benson lick here. Mm -hmm. Little bits of it'll be in there, along mm -hmm. with an old clue, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all, but it becomes you. Um, just being yourself, I think, is the best advice. Excellent. Good luck. Ex oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, we are going to be waiting with anticipation because you're coming back, and Ooh. we want we want to we want to know all about what's happening and when can we hear this, when can we see you, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's been a pleasure to, to be able to talk to you right now. I just got one more question that I want your take on. With all of the social issues that we have had to deal with over the last 14 months, mm. if the year 2020 was a human being, what would you say to him or her? <laughs> Oh, I don't know if that would be repeatable on, uh, on air. Um, that's a really tough question, man. Uh, uh, what would I say to it? I'd say, good riddance. Good riddance. Let's not go through that again. Excellent. Oh, that is that's so a tough cool. Question. <laughs> Sorry, so cool. Well, Kit, it's been a pleasure. And I'm saying this so that everyone knows the respect that I have for you. It's an honor when you call me brother, honestly. I just feel, wow, this guy Everton. is the legend on the guitar and I'm his brother. So you are absolutely <laughs> my brother. Man, you know, make way more chords than me. I don't make them sound like you do though. <laughs> we need to play together soon. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. So much, man. That's okay. Okay, until next time, you take care. Thank you very much. It's been strangely terrifying, but an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Cool. Thank you, Everton. Bye. Bye. Take care.